welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Okay, welcome to the Steroids Podcast. Got some great questions today that I'm excited to answer for you guys. The first question is from Zach. He says, bought and read your book, enjoyed it. I can relate to when you mentioned a lot of guys running long ester test and being disappointed. Been doing lower dose enanthate cycles for a while and didn't really get the well-being or mental boost I had hoped for. Do you think switching to propionate, testosterone propionate, would help with this? Yeah, Zach, I definitely do think that switching to testosterone propionate would get you the effect that you're looking for. Um, the thing with testosterone and since 500 milligrams testosterone per week is recommended so much on the internet for being a first cycle for beginners, that is so widespread and that's what most people are doing because it's just conventional wisdom. It's spread around so much on the internet that, you know, if you were new to this and you did something else, you'd be some kind of freak. (laughs) You know, not really, but, you know, that's what probably people on the internet would think. You were some kind of freak. I wouldn't, though. Um, It's disappointing. It's disappointing because the way that you have always imagined that um, being on steroids was going to be was that you imagined, you know, I'm going to be going to the gym and every workout I'm going to be getting stronger and my muscles are going to be growing and I'm going to have extra energy and extra high sex drive and um, extra energy to take care of what I want to do in life and get done what I want to do in life. Targeting behavior where I go after a target and hunt for my goals, you know. And so if you're not getting that and instead it's like you don't really even notice that you're on anything other than you're more bloated and you know, slowly over time, you get bigger and stronger in the gym. Uh, you might ha- be a little more emotional too. But other than that, you don't really get much from 500 milligrams per week of testosterone solo. And since that's what so many people are doing for their first cycles, this is a really common way to felt to feel. And, you know, during my cycle, I started by doing 600 milligrams of testosterone per week. I front-loaded it the first week with 1,200 milligrams. And uh, then, you know, after about a month, I was like, what the hell is this? 
I hadn't gained like any strength, you know, well, like a little bit, just a little bit though, you know, it had been a month on steroids on 600 milligrams of testosterone per week. And I was not having the experience that I imagined I would. So I was like, man, this is, this, this fucking sucks. Cause you know, when I made that decision to get on steroids, like it was not because I wanted to mess around. Okay. It's cause I had serious goals and I wanted to work towards them now. And so, uh, you know, waiting a month and, you know, being a bit bigger, more bloated and, you know, a little bit stronger, you know, yeah, I broke my natural plateau. Right. But that was all it did. And, and I was pissed because <laughs> I was just like you, man. I had that, uh, I had that, that vision in my head of like, this is what being on steroids is going to be like. It's going to be like this crazy, powerful experience. And you know what? The majority of guys, the huge majority of guys are not going to have that experience on 500 milligrams per week of testosterone. Um, I've, I met guys in Thailand, guys would come over, um, made friends with a bunch of guys from YouTube. Uh, my Dan, the bodybuilder from Thailand YouTube channel. Uh, so a bunch of guys came over to, to Thailand and, um, some of them would do their first cycle while they're there with, with me. Cause you know, they'd have access to pharmaceutical grade testosterone from the pharmacy made by Bayer. So they're like, yeah, now's the time. And they would be on 500 milligrams testosterone. They'd have, you know, they had already decided that they're going to do that before they came to Thailand and, uh, you know, they'd say, you know, yeah, I'm going to do this for like eight weeks or 10 weeks or something. Right. And I'd be like, I'd know what their goals were. Cause they had talked to me and I'd be like, okay, okay. And, and I would know that like they were going to be disappointed and then they would, and they would always start adding, adding stuff in after like four weeks, <laughs> adding like D ball or, uh, or like uh, wind straw or trend balloon. So that's what I did. You know, after on my first cycle, after four weeks, after the first month, when I was saying, you know, I was bigger, a little bit stronger, you know, I had broke my natural plateau and I was a little bit bigger. And also I was more bloated. I was like, man, this sucks. This is not what I was expecting. This is not what I signed up for. And so then I was like, screw this, screw this. I'm, I'm going to take trend and so i got on that trend acetate and it took about three days man i was taking 100 milligrams every other day to start out and uh you know what after about three days of that i started to see what i wanted <laughs> so you know getting bigger stronger you know the look of my body changing the look of my physique the outline or the silhouette of my physique you know you can always tell the silhouette of a bodybuilder because a silhouette of a dude that's juiced up, you know, he's got this look, and I call it a tiered look. T-I-E-R. Like tears. Like steps on a ladder. Or steps on stairs. You know, it starts with this, you know, one one level is the, the traps, and then the next level is the shelf under the traps where the clavicle is. And then you see it go out again when it hits the... The shape go out again when it hits the shoulders and then it goes out again when it hits the triceps and then it goes out again when it hits the forearms, you know, like it's like a tears or um, steps on on a staircase. That's what the, the outline or the silhouette of a bodybuilder looks like. And so within three days of starting the trend balloon, the trend acetate, uh, you know, those those characteristic 
uh, looks about being a bodybuilder started to appear on my physique. So that was the cosmetic effect of steroids, uh, where it fills your body out um, in a certain way, in a certain androgenic, masculinizing way, and it fills your muscles out and gives them that characteristic on steroids shape. And uh, a lot of guys, they don't know what, they can't tell what this looks like because they don't know what is natural and what's not. But once you've used the steroids, this becomes very obvious to you. Uh, when Because you experience this. The first time you experience the cosmetic effect of steroids, where you start taking something like Dianabol, or you start taking... Um, Super draw, or you start taking Trenbolone, something that really has a big sledgehammer. Wham, bam, pow. Thank you, man. Thank you, ma'am. Wham, bam, pow. Thank you, ma'am. That kind of a physique. That kind of a changed your physique. That kind of an effect. And it takes like two or three days. That's most of the strongest orals and Trenbolone, of course. And you know, when that when that happens, you see it happen right in front of your eyes. And forever after that you are able to pick out uh, people who are on steroids and not on steroids, like see fake natty and not fake natty. Uh, you're able to see this forevermore uh, after you experience this for the first time. It's like this, uh, this knowledge of good and evil, bro. This knowledge of good and evil. You take a bite of the forbidden fruit, the trenbolone, the Diana ball. You take a bite of that forbidden fruit and all of a sudden, you are bestowed with the knowledge of good and evil. It's pretty crazy. I, it's going to be interesting. You know, all these guys, they always tell me, you were right. After I took it, I could see like half the guys in my gym were on something. <laughs> but you just can't tell when you're natural. There's something about being natural where like there's this block because you've been fed lies all your life. And, and you just don't know the difference. But then, when you're natural, and you know you're natural, and then you take that strong sledgehammer steroid for the first time, and you see in the first few days that cosmetic effect where you get the outline of a bodybuilder, like overnight. It takes about three days, sometimes four days, sometimes five days. It... It gives you that knowledge of good and evil. And then, you know, picking out people who are on steroids and who are not on steroids from then on, it's like looking at a blonde and looking at a brunette. You know, it's so it's so easy. So you're going to take a bite of that fruit. Um, as far as Zach's question about being disappointed and asking, like, yeah, should I switch to testosterone propionate? Yeah, I would say definitely do that. So if, you know, testosterone propionate should be taken every day. That, it like gives a come up effect. So you take it in the morning and it gets your day like kicked off with an energetic start because it peaks about two hours later and then it stays elevated throughout the day and then on the second day it drops off sharply and by the end of the third day it's gone out of your system. So when you take like a testosterone propionate, if you take 700 milligrams per week, usually it's dosed at 100 milligrams per milliliter. So you take one milliliter per week and uh, that turns out to seven, or sorry, one milliliter per day. And that turns 
out into 700 milligrams of testosterone propionate per week. And it's a great dosage, and it's also a great feel-good effect. If you've ever wanted to know or if you felt disappointed because you didn't know uh, you know what it feels like to be on roids during your cycles of 500 milligrams of testosterone and anthate per week if you switch it to propionate and do the dosage of 700 milligrams per week one shot every day of one milliliter when you wake up okay you'll know after that you'll know what it feels like and get that feeling of being on roids and being juiced up right <laughs> and actually testosterone propionate actually does give more of a like cosmetic effect to your physique it gives you more of that pumped up look than testosterone and anthate does you know it goes against uh it's bro you know it's a bro science thing that the testosterone propionate and the testosterone and anthate have different effect effects but man, when you experience it for yourself, I don't know how anyone could say that the effects aren't different. Even though it's like unexplainable, we have theories about why, you know, even though they're both testosterone, they're just connected to a different ester molecule. Uh, you know, why, why would it be different? They're both testosterone in the blood once they get released from the ester. Well, there's something about the speed at which it hits. And uh, that seems to affect the perceived effect of the drug what you experience what you experience uh, mentally what but also what you experience physically um, not to mention testosterone propionate is more potent per milliliter so we've talked about this before but there's this thing called the ester weight okay so testosterone enanthate is testosterone molecule plus enanthate molecule okay and then testosterone propionate is testosterone molecule plus propionate molecule. Okay, so there is 100 milligrams of that testosterone enanthate or testosterone propionate, okay? And in that 100 milligrams, part of it is testosterone and then the other part is enanthate or the other part is propionate, okay? So enanthate weighs more than propionate. Enanthate weighs about 30 milligrams per milliliter. So if you have 100 milligrams of testosterone enanthate, You've got 30 milligrams, roughly 30 milligrams of enanthate and 70 milligrams of testosterone in the 100 milligram per milliliter testosterone enanthate. But propionate is a lighter ester. It doesn't take up as much weight. So it's about 90% testosterone and 10% propionate. So in 100 milligrams per milliliter testosterone propionate, you have 90 milligrams, roughly, of testosterone and 10 milligrams of propionate. So per milliliter, per, per, milli, per 100 milligrams, testosterone propionate is about 15% stronger than testosterone enanthate because there's more milliliters per 100 milligram. Sorry. There's a lot of millili and milligi words here, okay? There's more milligrams per milliliter of testosterone in propionate vibe in in 100 milligrams of propionate than there is in 100 milligrams of enanthate Woo! got through it got through it a lot of tongue twisters in there started twisting up my tongue guys all right next question is from pat yo dan i have a few more how about what is the best size of syringes to use? What are the benefits of using insulin needles instead of using like 25 or 23 gauge to give injections? 
He also asks about expired testosterone. Okay, so we'll get we'll answer those questions. All right, so the the size of the syringe, the best needle depth is one inch. One and a half inches is a bit long. That's like pretty freaking long. And when you're going in a inch and a half, you're more likely to hit some kind of sensitive thing on the way in. And I hate doing that. So if you have a one inch needle, it's the best of both worlds. Half inch is the bare minimum. And you can only inject into lean areas of your body with a half inch needle. And you can't, you got to really make sure that that thing is buried and like pressed in, like you're actually putting pressure to make sure uh, that it's in there. Because if you don't do it deep enough, it can spill out of the muscle. The oil can spill out of the muscle and get into the subcutaneous fat and skin tissue. And it just makes a mess. It's uh, it makes a big allergic reaction and swelling and pink and redness it's it's a freaking mess so that's why you want to inject with a longer needle like a one inch um and when you do the injection too you bury the needle all the way to the hilt okay you don't leave part of it sticking out you bury it to the hilt okay no matter what needle length you're using you always bury it to the hilt (laughs) so all the way in okay And uh, then, like, my favorite gauge is 27 gauge because that one is still big enough to kind of get most oil through, uh, just barely, though. And uh, it's it's pretty small, so it doesn't hurt. Uh, You know, 25 gauge doesn't really hurt too much either, but 23 gauge kind of hurts like a bitch because that's kind of like a small straw, so... I like using small, as small uh, needles as I can, the minimum thickness, and I prefer 27 gauge. Um, you know, you can even do it through a 29 gauge. So if you use a one milliliter syringe, there's better leverage pushing down the plunger, so it's easier to push uh, steroid oil through a one milliliter syringe than it is through a three milliliter syringe. Um, because the barrel is thinner it's long it's a a more long and thin structure uh in a one milliliter syringe than a three milliliter syringe so it has better leverage so you can push uh, thicker oil through uh smaller needles with a one milliliter syringe than you can with a three milliliter syringe um so if you use that you can use a smaller needle to do your injections and then just do one milliliter injections as far as testosterone past its expiration date, it slowly degrades over time. After it reaches the expiration date, then over the course of like a year or two, it starts degrading and the molecules start uh, of the testosterone start uh, breaking down and metabolizing. So it won't be as potent the longer it is expired. Next question, TRT and always hungry. Is this normal? Also, last blood test showed really low sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG. Is that a good thing or should it not be so low? Greetings, Domian from Belgium. Okay, Domian. Uh, Yeah, TRT makes you hungrier. Um, Having higher testosterone levels, you get hungrier. Uh, Steroids in general, but testosterone especially, uh, 
is an appetite stimulant. They're known for that. They're known for producing that effect. They increase your muscle cell insulin sensitivity. And so your muscles actually take blood, they take uh, sugar out of the bloodstream and uh, other nutrients out of the bloodstream much more effectively and efficiently. And just more of them are taken out of the bloodstream uh, because of that increase in muscle insulin sensitivity. So you're going to be going through your blood sugar quicker. And, you know, on steroids, you'll have more uh, times that you feel desperate or frantic or uh, just really anxious about eating uh, because your blood sugar will drop if you're eating a lot of carbs, especially if you're eating not clean uh, food. And uh, you'll get these blood sugar crashes or swings, like reactive hypoglycemia sometimes. But sometimes it's just the muscle cells stealing all the sugar out of your blood, stealing all the blood sugar. And, uh, you know, you'll feel real desperate for food and need food bad fast. So it stimulates ap appetite, just t taking testosterone injections. So that's why your experience is that on, TN on TRT testosterone replacement therapy that's completely absolutely expected so if you have low shbg sex hormone binding globulin that's a good thing man so sex hormone binding globulin uh, binds up the testosterone in the blood and makes it unable to attach to androgen receptors and androgen receptors are the things that your muscle cells and all the cells throughout your body use in order to communicate to the nucleus and DNA of the cell and tell it to do what it does, okay? And so androgen androgens like testosterone or steroids in general, they come in the blood and they attach to those receptors, transmit a message, and then the the androgen receptor transmits that message to the nucleus of the cell and then you get the effects of being on steroids. That's one of the that that's the main way that steroids do their thing and work in the body. So if you have a high sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, then that would mean that you have less testosterone available in your blood to be able to go and do that, attached to androgen receptors. And if you have low SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, that's great because that means that you have not a lot of sex hormone binding globulin in your blood stealing your testosterone from you and making it not be able to attach to androgen receptors. So how to reduce sex hormone binding globulin is taking steroids in general, reduces sex hormone binding globulin, but there's a few steroids that do it really effectively and potently, and those are uh, 25 milligrams of Winstrol per day, 25 milligrams of Proviron per day, or 25 milligrams of Dianabol per day, or Trenbolone in general. Those steroids have studies done on them where they specifically reduce sex hormone binding globulin more than other steroids, and they did it in the studies at those dosages. So the next question is thoughts on running Anivar without test. I'm a Muay Thai fighter, so it's not ideal to bulk up, but want to burn fat and get lean. Yeah. The thing about Anivar is that it's not very strong. 
So you got to take a pretty high dosage of it, especially if you're not going to use testosterone. Really what you should do is, is you should take a little bit of testosterone, okay? Because when you take the Anivar, it's going to turn off your natural testosterone because your body sees the Anivar in your body. I know that there's some studies um, showing that natural testosterone is not completely suppressed on Anivar. But it's like the more you take it and the longer you take it, the more your testosterone does shut off. Okay, so it's progressive in nature. And, you know, if you want to have the effects of the Anivar, then you got to have the some testosterone in there. That's your natural body's hormone. Um, you can't just be replacing the testosterone that you produce naturally with Anivar. It doesn't work good like that. So if you are going to do that and do Anivar only without test then you need to take like more than 60 milligrams per day and it needs to be really good quality like legit anivar uh or else you're going to be disappointed you're going to be like super disappointed it's not going to do much for you but the way that i would advise doing it would be to take one cc 250 milligrams of testosterone per week that's not going to bulk you up and it's actually going to make you recover um, from your Muay Thai workouts quicker and more effectively. You'll be stronger and more able to take on a high workload with your training uh, because of the testosterone. And then the Anivar would be like, you know, throwing steroids on there. That's that's where you would start feeling like, you know, real powerful is when you had that one cc of testosterone to help you out. And then you threw the Anivar on top and it's going to be like, damn, this is really doing what I want it to do and so if you have legit Anivar something like 40 or 50 milligrams uh, on top of per day on top of 250 milligrams testosterone per week would be great and then just make sure that you have some anti-estrogen tablets with you so like buy one box of Arimidex or something uh, you could you could buy one box of Arimidex like 30 tablets or whatever uh, if you can find that and uh, you need to find it if you're going to run the cycle because you might have some estrogen side effects from the testosterone. If you're going to run steroids in general, you got to have anti-estrogen tablets on hand. Just in general, guys, if you're going to take steroids, it's stupid to do it without having like some Arimidex or Eximestane or Letrozole. You're just asking for trouble. <laughs> All right, next question. David, it's from David. Hey, Dan, what are your thoughts on tamoxifen, Novadex? Restrict the PCT only? Yeah, that's pretty much what I think. Novadex, it's not really the most healthy stuff. And uh, it also reduces your IGF-1, so it makes the growth hormone that you naturally produce not work as well. And... So it's just better like not to take it and people use it as an anti-estrogen on cycle to prevent from getting gyno, but that's like pretty much all it does. It doesn't kill s systemic estrogen the way that Arimidex or Eximestane or Letrozole does. Instead, it's just blocks it at the receptor. Okay. So, and it blocks it the best and selectively. That's why it's called a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. It blocks it really well at the nipple. It selectively blocks for that tissue. So, you know, when you're running your cycle, it's better to just take Arimidex or Eximestane or Letrozole because that actually kills the estrogen and removes it from the body. 
Um, so you don't get any estrogen side effects. You know, you remove that bad health problem having high estrogen in your body when you're using steroids uh, with those anti-estrogen, anti-aromatase uh, tablets, AI. Um, but with the Novadex, you can use it for PCT, and it's a good PCT drug at like 20 to 40 milligrams per day. It's a good PCT drug uh, to help get your balls working again and uh, producing sperm and producing natural testosterone. But it also can be used to shrink gyno. So if you do have gyno and you have like a, a hard lump underneath your nipple, you know, that's what gyno is, okay? Gyno isn't so much like having some fat around there or something. You can just diet that off. But if you've actually got like a lump under your nipple and you can feel it and it feels like BBs or like frozen peas or something like that, it like feels textured and kind of rough, like that's gyno, okay? That's breast tissue development. And, you know, everybody has a gland down there, okay? So if, if you feel something, if you reach down there and you feel something behind your nipple, that's normal. That's not gyno, okay? But if you feel like this, you know, textured ball thing that is, you know, not small at all, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it's not normal. You know, you'll know the difference, okay? You'll know the difference. And, you know, that is gyno and that can be shrunk using Novadex to starve it of its estrogen source. So what you can do is you stop using steroids, okay? So you go off steroids so that you're not having any estrogen being produced in your body, okay? And then you start taking the AI, the, um, the anti-estrogen, like Arimidex. You take that at a normal dosage, like a few times per week. And then you take the Novadex at like 40 milligrams per day, like 20 to 40 milligrams or even 60 milligrams per day while you're doing that and you're not on steroids. And it will shrink that little like lump behind your nipple if you have it uh it'll shrink that thing down starving it of estrogen and killing those a bunch of those breast tissue cells so that is another use for tamoxifen novadex next question is from john hi i like your youtube videos there's a lot of truth in them that most people don't talk about or ignore one question i had do steroids cause the immune system to crash or lower it? Yeah, in some ways they seem to make the immune system work better, but then in other ways they seem to make it not work good. So if you're taking like oral steroids because they have some liver stress to them, if you like go drinking or something, you'll usually have a pretty bad hangover. And also you'll be susceptible to illness because like, yeah, obviously alcohol lowers your immune system. And then when you combine that with your body already being under stress uh, from the oral steroids uh, and the liver stress, it can oftentimes result in you like getting a cold or getting sick and it lingering for a long time. So generally getting drunk is like not something that you really want to do a lot on steroids in general and especially not on oral steroids because chances are you'll get sick from a lowered immune system from that generally though if you're in good health when you're on steroids like you're mostly just using testosterone and you know maybe you're using some growth hormone or maybe you're using you know some anivar or some primobolin or just light stuff that doesn't really 
you know affect your health much some deca something like that uh you know even if it is in good dosages but you're still going to have good blood work on that kind of stuff and you're still going to be healthy uh while you're using it and that actually seems to boost the immune system because other than when i do something stupid like uh like drinking or something like that uh, i'm not getting sick you know most steroid users don't get sick they don't get sick unless they do something stupid or unless they're like harming their health with the steroids they're taking when they're like abusing steroids or something and their health is having problems then yes the immune system is definitely lowered and they're more likely to uh, contract stuff contract illnesses all right next question this one's also from a guy named John um, oh nope the next question is from Elvish I just find that my belly button pops out recently I don't feel sick or painful, but my friends advise me that reduce the dose of HGH because my growth hormone belly is quite big. I asked my coach, but he doesn't think it is not side effect of human growth hormone. Do I need to see a doctor? Well, so if your belly button popped out, you have a hernia, okay? So when your belly button pops out, you know, when you are a baby in the womb, in your mother's womb, you know, you had an umbilical cord and it was attached where your belly button is, okay? And that's how you, like, fed and also how you got rid of your waist uh, when you were developing. But as far as that umbilical cord, it had to go through your developing stomach muscles. So naturally, babies have a hole there, okay? Because that's where the umbilical cord was. And that's so there, there's like a hole in the muscle there. But then after you, you know, are born and that umbilical cord falls off, then the muscle, the hole in the muscle closes up. OK, but it's a weak point. It's a weak point for your whole life. And so when you are like under a lot of pressure in the gym doing stuff like squats and deadlifts and rows, you know, like all those uh, practical, uh, real world strength type of exercises. And you're putting all this tremendous pressure, uh, on your stomach muscles. And then you're doing things that grow things like taking growth hormone. Uh, well, you know, that, that weak point right there where your, where your umbilical cord used to come through that weak point in your abdominal muscles, you know, it closed up though, but it's still a weak point in everyone. It may grow. It may grow a little bit and you may develop a hernia. So I had a hernia. I had an umbilical hernia. And you know what? It did start about, it started after I started using growth hormone. So, you know, that that's a thing. You see a lot of guys, you see a lot of guys that are big get that hernia. And part of it is just from growing bigger in general. But I think growth hormone does uh, contribute to that. I had to get surgery on mine because, uh, you know, when you get a hernia there and your belly button starts popping out, that's your intestines protruding. And it sucked having the hernia because I'd always be like pressing it in. And like my finger would always be going to that spot, pressing that hernia back in. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I did not like that. And so I went to a military doctor in Thailand 
and uh there's a picture on my instagram of me uh standing doing a a little bicep pose with the five cutie thai nurses that were taking care of me in the hospital and they're all smiling and i have this uh this blood this blood collector bottle around my waist because there was a drain tube coming out of my stomach draining draining blood and that was uh that was cuz of my umbilical hernia so that was not fun uh i don't like to get hernias and yeah it's fixed now there's a, there's a patch there now it's patched up you can kind of see the patch cuz they they add a a mesh to reinforce your belly button you know, funny thing about that was that I was in the hospital for three days, and that was in Thailand at that military hospital. And they were, you know, had all those cute Thai nurses and their little uniforms taking care of me. And then, uh, you know, I was getting morphine around the clock, so I, like, felt freaking incredible. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what? The whole thing only cost me uh, about $550, the whole experience, including the operation and the surgery. You know, that was a lot different than it was in Colombia. I was at the best hospital, one of the best hospitals in Colombia in South America when I was dealing with my leg. And that's why they were able to give me such incredible treatment there. Um, once, uh, So that one was not uh, cheap surgery like the uh, the Thailand hernia surgery when I had the steroid leg infection and I got that taken care of in Colombia it was many surgeries it was it was four surgeries uh all in succession not just one surgery and uh it was at one of the best hospitals in South America when I went to the first clinic uh when I first decided I got to get this taken care of the doctors at that clinic they told me they couldn't treat me and then they sent me to this hospital that I ended up at and so yeah that that uh surgeon there man he saved my he saved my life and i was really dependent on him he was a a colombian man and man he was a good man and he took care of me and i i was really dependent on that guy so i, I was very very proud of his work he did a great job patching me back together through a bunch of different operations and uh man i'll forever hold respect and and like love for that guy like in my heart that surgeon that saved my life there he really worked on me uh over a couple weeks of surgery after surgery so that was freaking amazing but so hernias i mean if you get really big and strong and you're lifting you know once you're deadlifting you know, over 500 pounds and you're squatting with, you know, if you're squatting below parallel, you know, more than three plates or three and a half plates, four plates, like that kind of comes with the territory. You know, you're, you're probably going to have some kind of injury at some point if you're lifting so heavy like that, because like the human body just isn't meant to handle those kinds of weights. So it's really fun. And I mean, I do it, but it comes with risk. So Hernias are something that happen. They're they're not too uncommon. They happen. All right, the next question is from Mad Scientist. He said, what do you think the cycles Arnold and people from his era used to run? 
I want to get a physique like the guys from Arnold's era because I like the look and think it's healthier. Basically, I'm just trying to get a somewhat classic looking physique. Yeah, I like that too. Me too. I'm going for the same thing as you. Um, so with the cycles that they ran, you know, what's really cool is that Rick Drayson on YouTube, he was one of Arnold's training partners back at Gold's Gym. And he talks about what they used and what kind of diet they ate over there uh, back at Gold's Gym Venice in the 60s and the 70s. And so we get a lot of this information. Obviously, the dosages that he says is like tone, toned down because, you know, people don't talk about like IFBB pros and just people in general like that talk about on the open air, like dosages that bodybuilders use or dosages that they use. They don't say the real dosages that they use for one thing because they feel like, well, if people do this, you know, that could get them hurt. So it's like liability. And then for another reason, it's like not politically correct. And it makes the the bodybuilders look kind of like stupid or something because this is being huge like that requires drug abuse and like winning competitions and stuff like that. It like requires drug abuse. So, you know, it's not a good look and it's not flattering. And if you're heavily involved with that, you've got a lot to lose. So that's why people don't talk about the, uh, the dosages that, that are correct. But you know what they used back then, like the Arnold, Arnold and those guys, it was mostly D ball. Like Diana ball is what they were building up like their muscles on Sergio Oliva and Larry Scott, Mr. Olympia, Arnold, you know, D ball was a big part of it. So they'd take D ball tablets throughout the day, not once a day, take five milligram D ball tablets throughout the day. And, um, they'd usually take DECA something like. 400 milligrams to a thousand milligrams of deca per week and because they knew that steroids orals work better uh with an injectable run in there and the thing with deca is that since they they wouldn't use any testosterone they would just use the deca and when you do that it doesn't have a big effect on hair loss the way that testosterone does and also it allows you to still have like a sex drive and like functioning libido and stuff so when deca is paired with testosterone then it starts giving you side effects because it does a bunch of weird stuff in your body when it's mixed with testosterone so if you just do deca alone you're gonna avoid a bunch of side effects so basically what they would do is deca and d-ball or deca and winstrol or deca with anivar um, and Arnold would get Primobolin. So Arnold used Primobolin too, especially around contest. He would use Primobolin from Europe, him and uh, Franco Colombo, and whoever they shared their Primobolin stash with. So that's what they used back then. <laughs> and they also used cadaver growth hormone. They used this stuff called Crescormin. And what Crescormin is is it's uh, pituitary glands from human cadavers and they grind it up the pituitary gland and they uh, they purify it into a growth hormone extract and it's got a bunch of different it's it's not like the pure rdna uh, 191 amino acid growth hormone that is made today it was 
a growth hormone extract from the pituitary gland and they'd inject people with this stuff and it was super super strong so it was an experimental drug it was mainly meant from kids who were like had genetic diseases to make them be growth hormone deficient and not grow but some of it got diverted to bodybuilders um and also nfl football players like lyle alzado who had that brain disease with the prions that killed him and he was like he was famous because he was a nfl player that said like steroids killed me <laughs> and it, it wasn't steroids it was actually cadaver uh crest corman human growth hormone that he was injecting while he was playing in the nfl in the 70s that's what killed him because prions are misfolded proteins and sometimes uh people would have uh, a disease called creutzfeldt jacob disease and then the, they would have the cadaver growth hormone that was contaminated with the uh with the bad prions from the Crutzfeld Jacob disease, and it's contagious. So then when these people would inject themselves with those growth hormones, the Crescormin, just a few people, there was a little bit of contaminated Crescormin, but it happened to, you know, at least, at, at least like a good, a good little group of people. And Lyle Azeda was one of them. It goes and attacks your brain, gives you Crutzfeld Jacob disease, and one year after contracting that, you die. So that's what happened to him. That's what killed him, not steroids. Now they make a human growth hormone by RDNA, recombinant DNA technology. So the way that growth hormone is made now is they use viruses to go and make genetic changes to E. coli bacteria. And then the E. coli bacteria starts producing the human growth hormone. And then they collect that and purify it <laughs> it's crazy so the uh they actually genetically engineer the e coli bacteria to produce human growth hormone that's how our dna 191 amino acid pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone is ma made these days it's manufactured by genetically modified genetically engineered e coli bacteria it's great stuff very pure all right, next question. Juicer asks, what is the strongest SARM? Okay, the strongest SARM, selected androgen receptor modulators, they're, they're like an alternative to pro-hormones, okay? Because some people, you know, they'd be sad and like, oh my God, I wish that I was around and did bodybuilding back when pro-hormones weren't banned yet. And, you know, if you feel like that, well, there are SARMs out there, and these are about as strong as pro-hormones were. Maybe even a little bit stronger. So, they're legal anabolics that actually work, because selective androgen receptor modulator, it does, it works on your body, on your androgen receptors, the way that Nolvidex works on female estrogen receptors. It's a molecule that is not a steroid, okay, it's not a hormone, but it's a molecule that still affects the receptors that it tricks the receptors the receptors think that this molecule the SARM is a hormone and so they get activated and do their effects okay that's how SARMs work so S23 and LGD4033 are the best muscle building SARMs and the strongest SARMs okay S23 gives a really strong effect uh, where like 30 to 60 milligrams per day produces emo emotional outbursts like pretty potent road 
roid rage and pretty much everyone who takes it, myself included. Um, like not roid rage, okay? But I'm, that's why I say emotional outbursts. But yeah. Uh, and surprising emotional outbursts. Also, really intense sweating in the gym, being all shiny in the gym, and giving a good pump and like a good a good muscle uh, boost. Like you feel it in the gym. S23 at 30 to 60 milligrams, it's strong stuff. And then LGD 4033 at 10, 15, 20 milligrams and up per day. Like about 20 milligrams has about the same anabolic effect on my body as about 250 milligrams of testosterone. So 250 milligrams of testosterone injection, I would compare the anabolic effect, the muscle building effect to be the same as me taking LGD 4033 at 20 milligrams per day. So those are what I think are the strongest arms. And check out bodybuilderinthailand.com because I do written reviews on some SARMs on there. So look for my written reviews of S23 and LGD4033 on bodybuilderinthailand.com. Okay, Duke asks, what are the best steroids for beginners? Okay, the best steroids for beginners are the ones where you're going to have the least other side effects other than muscle building okay and so steroids that produce estrogen or produce prolactin stuff like that produce female hormones uh, that's going to give you side effects and then you're going to have to start using drugs to tinker with it and mess around with it um, and some more than others so if you use high dosage testosterone then you're going to get effects from having high dihydrotestosterone and high estrogen because those are two products of testosterone injections. They get made in the body out of the testosterone that you inject. Some of the testosterone is converted to estrogen and dihydrotestosterone. Those both give side effects. Uh, but those only really give much side effects if you're taking more than like 500 milligrams per week. So to make it even more simple, you know, for beginners, they should use... 250 milligrams of testosterone per week because then you know if they have they're not going to have any dht dihydrotestosterone issues at that dosage uh, most likely not you know and those issues would normally be like swollen prostate dif difficulty peeing or a weak pee stream or like deep cystic acne that was deep under the skin those would both be dht side effects but that would be really uncommon especially at that dosage at 250 milligrams per week. And then the other thing would be estrogen produced from the testosterone, and you take care of that. You know, you might have no estrogen side effects at all on that dosage of testosterone, but if you did, then you probably wouldn't need more than like one or two tablets of Arimidex or Examestane or Letrozole per week. Uh, you know, and you'd be able to easily take care of that if you ever felt any symptoms like itchy, burning, hot, uh, or sensitive nipples or anything like that you know when you feel that well just sometime during that day go take an anti-estrogen tablet like an arimidex you know just take one tablet and it'll go away in a couple hours and that'll be that um, so one cc of testosterone makes handling those kinds of side effects simple okay and then the other thing that you do is you just take another anabolic steroid so a muscle building steroid and you know, one that is going to give you a cosmetic effect 
because you're going to want to get that, you know, really good workout feeling in the gym and you're going to want to see that immediate effect or change in your body. Um, and you know, get that experience of being on steroids and feeling like you're on steroids and being in the gym on steroids. You know, I know you want to feel that. So, uh, you know, you're not going to want to use an oral that is going to cause a lot of more side effects. Um, and an oral is just easy to take too. It's, so it's easy for a beginner, you know, for beginners, I always think that they should just take an oral steroid and stack that with one CC of testosterone. So, you know, Winstrol, Anivar, Terinabol, you know, even Superdrol, those are going to be probably the easiest ones to take with Superdrol being a little bit more problematic, uh, just because it can be kind of toxic. It could affect your eyes or affect your, uh, your liver a little bit. Uh, if you take it or if you're really sensitive to it and you take it at a high dosage or something like that, or for more than five weeks, but those other ones, Winstraw, Anavar, Oral Terinabol, you know what? You take those, you take like 50 milligrams of any of those per day, and you pair that with 250 milligrams of testosterone per week, and you're going to have a great cycle. And the only side effects you're going to have is just like feeling great, looking great, and uh, getting great pumps in the gym and shit like that. Um, if you do have any side effects, it will most likely just be a little bit of estrogen side effects and, uh, like some itchy burning nipples that you notice one day. And then you just take that Arimidex tablet or Exmestane tablet and it will go away in a couple hours and you probably wouldn't experience any other side effects other than that. Or, you know, on a cycle like that, you know, you might get pumped throughout the day or you might get like pumps in your feet when you're walking on hills or something like that. But those cycles are going to be relatively side effect free. And, um, now if you don't want to shut your natural testosterone production off when you do that, you know, you could take HCG, uh, at the same time, you'd take something like a thousand IUs HCG per week while you took the steroids. So you'd split it up into two injections and take 500 IUs twice per week and do that the whole time that you took the steroids and then your balls wouldn't shut off and they wouldn't shrink while you took the steroids. Um, and generally you'd want to do those cycles for like eight to 10 weeks. Um, you know, if you're worried about liver toxicity, uh, with the orals, you know, you'll know if you start getting tired or feeling kind of sick or like losing your appetite, you know, that you're probably feeling toxic. And so just take a break for two or three weeks. And then, uh, you know, if that happened after like four weeks or something, you could do something like four weeks with the orals and then two weeks off and then another four weeks and then that would end up being 10 weeks and that would be a great first cycle for beginners that's not going to have side effects there's not going to be a lot of troubleshooting there's not going to be any major side effects and there's not going to be a lot of need for troubleshooting having problems it's going to be simple easy and straightforward and i think that that's what the guys who are beginners are looking for they're looking for a big effect a nice bam and a nice quick change to their body and quick change to the way they feel when they're working out in the gym, you know, get those crazy pumps, get that experience of being on roids, but not have to do a bunch of troubleshooting, messing around on side effects or having a bunch of new stuff happen that they're not prepared for. So that's, that's what I think 250 milligrams of testosterone with Terinabol, Anivar or 
with Winstraw at something like 50 milligrams per day. Four weeks on with the orals, two weeks off with the orals. Four weeks on with the orals. Take the testosterone for the whole 10 weeks. That's my opinion. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.